Welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee the Third. As always, I am joined by my co-host, the host of Jack AM, which if they gave out Emmys for Twitch shows, would be in the running every time. Jack Allison, how you doing? So yeah, I'm doing good. You know, just glad I don't have to attend the Emmys yet. You know, just glad about that. Yet. <laughs> Will it be at the daytime Emmys, do you think? When they do give out the streaming Emmys, will they be at the daytime Emmys? No, or will we they know do that it will be at the fake creative arts Emmys, the ones that they don't air on television. And basically, if I ever got nominated, Leslie, the saddest thing is that I would lose to James Corden's carpool karaoke. There's only <laughs> one only one category I could possibly fit in, and I would certainly lose to James Corden's carpool karaoke. All right. Well, we'll get into the Emmys in a little bit, but thank you so much for listening to Struggle Session. We really appreciate it. Make sure if you aren't already a subscriber, sesh.show, get all the uh, public episodes. But if you want that bonus stuff, you want that good, good stuff, ad free, all the old stuff, make sure to check out sesh.plus, S E S H dot plus. You can also hit us up on patreon.com slash struggle session. Patreon doesn't have quite as many of the old back episodes. Going forward, it does. It has everything. But yeah, I, and frankly, Jack, I, I feel like a lot of people don't really go back to those. Uh, the really re- old ones? The really old ones. Who's binge really- listening? Who's binge listening every episode of a podcast, for God's yeah. sake? But if you are the binger, you want to hit up sesh.plus. That has everything. Uh, it's patreon.com slash struggle session or struggle session.substack. Dot com for everything that's for the past couple of years, basically. Yeah. Um, and some we don't recent, need more than that, frankly. Yeah, frankly. Uh, but some recent episodes that we have had, we had our bonus wrestling episode uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to have another one uh, this week that Jack yeah, and just, I, I... I had never even heard about this, but I went on... We, we watched a documentary about... What the hell is it? Like the hell airplane or something? The plane ride from hell, the dark the side of the ring. The plane ride from hell. It, it it it's quite shocking, quite dark. I'm gonna yeah, put it together. Yeah, it's a pretty grim tale, actually. The plane ride from hell truly is the plane ride from from hell. But I also talk. I do a little bit of fun stuff. I interviewed a wrestling promoter, uh, actually, uh, Jack. I'm gonna have that on there. The promoter behind Combat Fights Unlimited, Very as cool. well as. So I, I feel like I got some of the struggle session fans hooked in the wrestling. So I so now like if they are logging in and trying to find like wrestling content. It's just like a bunch of garbage people out there, mostly. <laughs> just a bunch of awful people. There's some good people, but like they're all like really, you know, smaller content creators. This so is I, why if, maybe it's your responsibility to create more wrestling content, yeah, Leslie. Or, maybe and, you and, should get some more wrestling YouTube videos up and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we gotta do it. We also have an upcoming episode. We're gonna do a, of the a struggle session presents. Alan Moore, yes. where we're gonna talk about the next five chapters of Jerusalem. After oh, I gotta that, get reading. It'll be uh, from now. Maybe we'll do that uh, this weekend, Jack. I got some. I got some reading time. Yeah. And also, finally, check out the merch, strugglesession.shop. We have lots of cool new shirts up there, including our 31 Days from Horror shirt, as well as one I'm very proud of that I'm 
almost certain no one other than me will buy. But I have been dreaming about this. It just came to me as a vision, Jack. I needed to have this shirt exist, even if no one buys it. Uh, it's Adriana Laserva from uh, The Sopranos, who is my favorite character, a queen, a legend. And I gave her the proper 90s bootleg uh, T-shirt treatment. Maybe you could pull it up uh, all this through. It says feeling is what it's all about. Feelings is what it's all about. <laughs> it, it's so sad because I had to come up with a good quote, but actually she really doesn't have a lot of good quotes. From the <laughs> she really doesn't. Like almost all her dialogue is about like Chris and stuff. It it's really sucks. good. It's a great but, shirt. Yeah, but uh, check that out. At the strugglesession.shop. Strugglesession.shop. All right. So getting into the show, Jack, did you know it was a holiday this weekend? You know, I actually did hear about this. I did hear about this, uh, so I, I was aware. I didn't really do much to celebrate, though. But so the holiday this past weekend was Batman Day, uh, September eighteenth. Why? So this is, is it- a this is just a day apparently that DC has declared to be Batman Day. And did you know, Leslie, that Batman Day has moved around? They originally declared it like in July. You would think Batman Day would be the day that. Batman made his first appearance, which was July twenty yes. third. They did it for okay. the seventy fifth anniversary a few mm-hmm. years back. Okay, fine, Batman Day, right? Fine. The, the would, day Batman was first published, that's an acceptable. Sure, why not? On the seventy fifth anniversary, Batman Day, fine. And I think one year, maybe the next year, maybe the one after, they did it on February the seventh because Detective Comics twenty seven, February seventh. Okay, that's cute. Uh, that whatever. works fine seems like a couple other people have big birthdays around that time in february yeah, president's day you know like it's a lot of going on in february valentine's day going on you know you know whatever apparently it's on the weekend after september 11th that's when you celebrate batman day now the weekend after september 11th you celebrate Batman uh, Day. Uh, I guess this is just when the corporate synergy levels just got a, a certain low point uh, after the Suicide Squad debacle and the other shit. They were just like, we need to get, do something. We need a win. How about Batman Day, the weekend after September 11th? I'm just looking up right now, like, why is it Batman Day? And I can't find any no like, DC answer. doesn't seem they just and by the way I, how the hell can you keep moving a day you can't move a day around you can't be like Chris unless it's like the third Thursday or whatever you know but it can't be Christmas is in fucking March this year it wouldn't be more convenient though if we could move these days around just a tad sure. like if you're having a bad you know Q4 push <laughs> Christmas you know, the Q1 2022. Yeah, that's What's true. What's wrong with that? Like, To be honest with you, moving holidays around is something the dastardly can- calendar man would do. <laughs> this is something that the dastardly Batman villain. The, are we sure that this is not just a scheme from the calendar man himself moving Batman Day around every year? I mean, that's I don't know. I don't know why they're doing it. But and they didn't really have anything to show. Is the sad part because like yeah. it's the one thing about these fake holidays. Well, at least you'll get something cool. I don't know, maybe some cool show or something about. No, Leslie, let's be fair here. That's not true. They were debuting Batman: The Audio Adventures, a new HBO Max podcast. Podcast, a Batman <laughs> podcast. They are. They're. They're also uh, launching the DC Batman Bat Tech Edition app. 
So that's an app for to help kids join Batman's crime fighting team, the Night Watch. Oh, that's Watch, cool. Using that's- AR. Oh, so it's like training kids to be like little cops, or something. <laughs> <laughs> like locking up their friends. Like, do you get the virtually sick Batman on yeah. your friends in the playground? Oh, I'm sure that's going to be cool. And then a comic called Batman: The World, um, which is a a 184 page comic that is filled with actually it's kind of cool. It's filled with art, you know, and stories of Batman from people all around the world, um, except for any from the continent of Africa. They missed Africa, but and, but wow. they did get every other continent Jesus. for Batman the world. That is that's insanely racist, right? It's pretty bad. Like, I it's am pretty, pretty sure, like you could do a whole anthology of African artists. It's on pretty bad to Batman. just. It's like every continent. I think um, maybe they miss. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they miss Australia. Maybe they miss Australia too. But yeah, it's like. There's Asia, you know, there's Europe, there's North America, you know, Czech you think Republic. They had Japan. covered North, most of North America. You think we had more or less <laughs> already covered? We've got usually, a lot of Batman comics from North America, yeah. you know, kind of already. Yeah, usually <laughs> when you say world, it means not minus North America and the UK as well, because they, they're like everywhere already. <laughs> like, world yeah. usually just meant everyone but us. But I went to a theater for like a screening of a, of a John Waters movie from the 90s, and they played the Paul Thomas Anderson trailer. Before the movie. Oh, cool. That was cool. very exciting. That's fun. Was John Waters there? He was not. Uh, it was just a screening of uh, uh, Serial Mom, which is a very fun, just, you know, moral-less murder comedy. It's a, great, it's a, it's a lot of great fun, actually. Uh, anyway, let me get the trailer here. Here's, here's a funny thing, Jack. I've ne- I don't think I've ever deliberately watched a John Waters movie, but since I watched the E! Network a bunch in middle school, I know everything <laughs> about him. Because he oh, was just really on funny. there like all the time. I just thought he was like another like celebrity commentator, like a Joan Rivers. I love the guy. I think he's wonderful. I, th- I just haven't watched a lot of his stuff. He's yeah, great. I mean, I've, I haven't, wa- I haven't like religiously went back and watched everything. I just was like looking for something to do, and I was like, "Oh, I'll go see a John Waters movie. Why not?" Anyway, let's get the trailer up here for the Batman. This is just some live stuff. Probably get cut out from the uh, from the podcast. Anyway, anyway, let's watch. We're not cutting out John Waters talk. Come on, <laughs> John Waters talk. Okay. All right. So this Batman, the Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know, frankly, what to make of this trailer. I'm like, I, it's like. Did look very, very Nolan-y. The only thing I can think is that I'm like, okay, I guess. So Nolan-y we've already seen, which is kind of like a disappointment. But I guess a younger Batman is the only thing that I'm like, yeah, could be interesting, I guess. So the thing I see when I see it, I I saw more the crow, but not as good. And the not as good part is what you pointed out, the Nolan-ness of it. It's like, it's not a bunch about, it's not just like, a bunch of, about a bunch of goth gangsters is also about like cops because I don't mind this shot. I'm looking at the shot of like the painted face, like the the like the weird sort of Joker gang or whatever. You know, yeah, aside that's from cool. that, it's like I'm like it looks kind of cool. Part of the big problem is like Nolan leaned heavy on the cop aspects and yeah. Batman's interaction with the police, which do loom heavy in works like Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns, but that's already been more or less adapted in the Nolan movies as yeah. well as a bit in in um uh the Snyder movies as well. So if yeah. you're going to do a Batman movie and fucking Gotham, the TV show that's been running I know. For, that ran for 7 years. So we know 
and they're also doing a Gotham Central TV show, which is going yeah. to be like a, even probably a better like cop centered show. Batman is there. We can have a Batman that's about him fighting like kooky villains and like stuff, at this point, know. that's almost what I want. Is I want like. I almost want to see like 1960s Batman at this point. Like I want to see like adventurer, like swashbuckling Batman. Like I don't know. Adventure, like, adventure is a big part. Adventure was not as much a part in the Nolan movies, except well, when it was, it was like Batman doing a rendition, right? Like that was the adventure yeah. element of it. He it, at even, this point. I think I think what we can admit, Leslie, is that at this point, after we've gotten the decades of the Nolans, even after which I even like, you know, the Batfleck, uh, uh, Affleck Batman. I like Batman versus Superman. I like Justice League. At this point, I'm basically ready to go back to Schumacher. I'm not even joking. Like, I'm ready for a return to like Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Listen, we're in the 90s nostalgia era right now. And so I'm like, it's time to go back to nipple suit Batman, like not taking this shit so seriously. Well, I do want to say there is a difference between Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Batman Forever is, I think, a pretty decent movie. Actually, and Batman Forever is very, very good. I watched <laughs> them all recently. Batman and Robin is is way whacker. Forever is like a is like a cartoon. It's actually pretty good. Cartoon is the key point because Batman Forever, I think, is shares a lot in common, and people don't think this with the Paul Dini Batman the Animated Series uh-huh. cartoon. And that might sound kooky when I say it, but then play the Arkham Asylum games, which pretty much everyone agrees is the bat- best Batman stuff that's come out it looks like batman forever it doesn't look like tim burden it doesn't look like paul dini is written by some of it's written by paul dini obviously the characterization of the characters comes from paul dini uh come from the paul dini series the batman the animated series but it looks like bat joel schumacher's batman forever that is the gotham you see it's very bright it's very City. neon the neon you know, with the gothic it's yes. that and that aesthetic is one that I think was really good. Uh, I don't know if Batman Forever quite captured it the best way, but Arkham City did. And I think we could go back to a more colorful, more villains. I don't know why you're doing a Batman year one movie when you did Batman Begins, which was just already year one, but like watered down. Like they had already adapted year one. I mean, in a, like, what it is... What it is is that we make the same movies basically on a 20-year cycle thereabouts. You know what I mean? And, like, they basically are are figuring they're, like, it's time for another Nolan Batman Begins version because, like, the last ones were about 20 years ago. Like, Batman Begins was from, from 2005. And so, yeah, I think, like... They're just they they're just like well time for time to start that cycle again. I mean, we could have gotten Batman versus Deathstroke instead. Bat- ben Affleck was going to cut out Joe Manganiello's eye, but they we had, still could they, because they're doing alternate universe stuff in the in the DC cinematic but it, it's universe. Not, it's not happening, Jack, because uh, uh, Warner Brothers just wants to bury uh, the Snyder it. cut. They, they want to bury the Snyder cut. They want nothing. They hate it. Uh, to do with it. They do. Uh, for some reason, even though it made them a bunch of money, if they would have stuck with it, they would have made a bunch more money. I yeah. just, The Suicide Squad thing, man. Imagine that a movie makes $800 million 
you fire the director, you get rid of the main star. All just because everyone was like being annoying on Twitter. On Twitter. Like all the like vulture fucking reviewers were like were got like, you know, this is not like the culture as we, you know, approve right now. This is not the culture that we approve right now. There are other people like, you know, these Fast and Furious movies do really well. Like normal people go to movies. You know? Normal people go to movies. Yes. Very good. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about, I mean, this, as good a place to transition as any uh, when it comes to the disconnect between normal people and people who write for Vulture, the uh-huh. Emmys. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're award show for TV shows that no one on the planet watches. Now, yeah. This is not a knock on the show. Some of these sh- shows might be great shows. I think some of them are. I think a lot of shows that people don't watch are great shows. But my God, has the Emmys just turned into like what sh- streaming service does the most PR yes. for like 300 people? In Who's currently LA? sending the nicest little weird unfolding boxes to people in the various entertainment unions above the line? So big winners uh, from from the Emmys. Now you may not have heard of any of the any of these shows, but we'll get into them. I um, had not. I had not heard of, of of a number of these shows. So you had um, Mayor of Easttown, which is pretty good. I liked it. You may Don't have heard. You may see it's it basically was in the True Detective slot, but it only came. I think. It, most of the people only watched it on the app, though, and it was when during that transition to HBO Max where people were very confused about what the fuck it even is. So that's when it came out. That was supposed to be like Game of Thrones, like the next yeah. Game of Thrones. Well, never the next heard of it before the, the, next before the Oscars. Had never heard a word about it. Yeah, Ted Lasso, which I know you've heard of, Jack. Like Ted Lasso got nominated for a bunch of Emmys, and then it was trending because people were like, "What the fuck is Ted Lasso?" Ted Lasso. And then people were like making fun of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Here's the interesting thing about Ted Lasso: is it is beloved by people who have bought a, an Apple product within the calendar year. Yes. It That's comes what on, it is. is it comes on Apple TV. $1,000 on a phone likes it a lot. Yeah, it's on Apple TV, which I don't think anyone has. I am not going to look up the people numbers. People do have it when they buy an Apple product. They yeah. get like a free <laughs> year of it. I don't think anybody like went and like, you know, uh, uh, like signed up for it or anything but yes like the people who have bought an apple product definitely have apple tv on on their on their phones it's like a quibi it's basically like that is the business model of quibi right you buy it on you buy a phone and then you get it yeah i think at&t has done it as well i mean we've talked about this it's like we're in a loop we're doing a fucking repeat jack like we already talked about this when they put this shit out like i know i'm like nobody is watching apple tv it's totally fake but it is it is it is a better it is a more successful attempt at making it feel real because all the people already who like you know do all the sort of cultural reviewing and everything are already like apple freaks and they buy new apple fucking bullshit every year and everybody who thinks they're a techie and they're sort of already like inclined to like things from apple because of you know confirmation bias and like sunk cost and everything like that and so i don't know like I've I've watched a little of Ted Lasso. I've watched some clips and I find it um extremely fucking irritating. I find it extremely fucking irritating. And I saw a news I saw an article in the trades, you know, a couple weeks ago that was about how everybody's looking like for the next Ted Lasso 
And I was like, I guess I'll stop watching television and movies altogether. I'm not going to watch anything new if they're looking for the next Ted Lasso and people want positivity entertainment and shit like that. Like, is, does Ted Lasso make money? Like, this started off, from what I understand, Jack, as a commercial. It was a commercial for the fact that NBC was going to be airing like a soccer game. They were going to be airing the World Series or something like uh, that. Ted Lasso, which, by the way, is the name of a character that you would come up with for a commercial. It's an extremely lazily named, like a horrible name for a character. No one has the last name Lasso. Lasso. That's just like a cartoon name you'd come up with for an American. Um, and yes, in the original commercial. But then for some reason, when Apple TV was coming up, they decided to adapt the 2009 era Jason Sudeikis commercial with a character called fucking Ted Lasso. So it's kind of uh, like instead the, turned him it, into like a nice guy. They turned him into like Mr. Rogers who can like go around with his American exceptionalism and like make everybody feel better through the power of positivity. Yeah, so it's kind of like the Geico when they did the Geico Caveman kind sitcom. Of, yeah. Do you remember that there were the Caveman yes. commercials, and they were funny, and some of those dudes were funny. But then they did the TV show for about the Caveman for a commercial for uh, an insurance company. Yes. and I and I wonder, like, okay, you're a comedian, you're a good comedian, right? What do you want to do with your life? Like, did you want to be on a t sitcom that's promoting a car insurance commercial? Like, and what's even weirder and is... And that's like and, the and, highlight and what if of you're your you're already career? wealthy? What if you're already well, wealthy? Yes. <laughs> if you're Nick Crow, <laughs> When you had yes. the opportunity to do it. Your family is already it makes sense for Nick Crow. wealthy. It actually makes sense for Nick Crow. Like, what the fuck does he care? He's just putting on a funny TV show. It actually makes sense for Nick Crow. I don't know how the other, other guys felt about that. I bet they felt... Like, uh, Nick, couldn't you just ask your dad to, like, buy us a show that's like good that we could do instead about the stuff we wanted to hey no you know he, he i'm sh i wonder what he tells them i wonder what he tells his friends like his dad's like a billionaire powerful his dad wouldn't even have to spend money he would just have to like pull out one of his blackmail files on like the president of it's NBC true and be like uh give uh give give my buddy give nikki's friends a, a show right now i uh, know and, and what and, and what you like you're the guy who's got the israeli blackmail files on every single uh, um network head and what you decide to get on the air is the fucking geico caveman show <laughs> oh my god all right so so Ted Lasso did sweep up at the Emmys, and there was some discord, and I think, and I think some pushback uh, from it. I, I'm actually sad. I'm actually sad, Jack, because I was hoping people would turn on Shit's Creek last year, like they turned on Ted Lasso this year. Because I actually watched Shit's Creek after it won on those Emmys, another show that nobody fucking watched. Um, extremely based entirely on nepotism, obvious. Dan Levy and it's Eugene Levy. U Eugene Levy is the dad. His name, but I swear to God, and Dan Levy oh, sorry, is Eugene Levy now also in Eminem's commercials. Yeah, Eugene Levy, Dan Levy, Jack. Dan Levy is in every commercial. He's not just in Eminem's commercials. He's in. He has like three or four campaigns going. Every fucking time I turn on TV, I'm seeing Dan Levy. Hey, listen. Who you know, wants Dan this Levy guy around? Is, is tell, a please tell me. Guy. 
Dan Levy is a deeply funny guy who hosted SNL and who definitely got to where he was, you know, because of his his talent and not because he sold a show that had his dad uh, was the lead actor in. Um, I guess we're all just not even going to like pretend like it's embarrassing that the only show you're ever doing is the one where your dad, who is the person who people know, uh, um, is, is the lead actor and you're just, that's fine. That's, you know, you're, we accept you as a celebrity now. And look, I, I don't want to get into this. And I don't want to offend people, Jack, but come on. It's a Canadian show. The show is Canadian. We didn't used to give. And Emmys to Canadian shows. Where's Where's the best foreign comedy? Where's the best foreign comedy series? Come you know, category. The fuck on is a Canadian yeah. show. Yeah, not cool. Not cool. Anyway, people didn't turn on Shit's Creek, but they have kind of turned on Ted Lasso, and people are being like, "What the fuck are you talking?" I think part of it is that you really can't get like black people to pop buy into something like Ted Lasso. And a lot of the culture war requires like a cadre of, of sophisticated black blue checks to like do the forward push for it. Like if it's just dorky white people trying to tell, sure. like trying to bully people, it doesn't quite work out. And so one, right. um, I'll read this one tweet that people were reacting. I'm not going to say the person's name cause they seem like a fairly well-meaning person. And, I don't know. I they don't seem like a bad person, um, but I will say this take that kind of is indicative of the general feeling, uh, general vibes that you get from the Ted Lasso fandom that people don't like, and it's this hot take: Avatar: The Last Airbender, Steven Universe, and Ted Lasso are all so deeply deeply loved because they're about good people trying their best. We're thirsty to see more of that modeled you know what's interesting about this just without any prompting the original poster did post ted lasso alongside two children's shows that are intended for children avatar the last airbender is a show for little kids steven universe is a show for kids and ted lasso well, it's a show for people whose media tastes haven't changed since they were kids. So, see, I, I, I'm not going to knock anybody who likes children's media or YA, but most of those people are pretty self-aware about what they like and why they like it, and they don't try <laughs> to go out into the world and evangelize about how everyone else is wrong because they like this or that. That's different. I don't want There's to- something very weird about the new Ted Lasso thing, which is like, Everyone wanted to talk about how much they love Ted Lasso. Then some people were like, I think Ted Lasso is kind of annoying. And now people are like flipping the fuck out about the idea that there might not be people that like Ted Lasso. Yeah. This this lady, this woman, Lauren Hogue, who was like a terrible anti-Bernie person during the election, who was always saying like, the, oh, like there's nothing I agree with Bernie on except for, you know, uh, uh like the, that's the one thing I agree with Bernie on and always getting pissed off uh, about anything with Bernie posted shout out to all the cool kids who've made not watching Ted Lasso uh, a, a load bearing part of your personality. Oh, yeah. You're super cool. We see that now. Then after I guess getting responses to it, definitely the point of this tweet was to make fun of you for being poor. And then the next one is, I'm sorry you're not raking in the sweet blue checkmark millions to pay $4 for a subscription. Fucking losers. Oh, my God. Anyway, it Whoa. seems like, you know. It Very seems normal like, stuff. It, it seems like Ted Lasso is really bringing people a lot of joy. It um, teaches and you that to be joy, kind. And that joy is not a total house of cards. 
Um, it's not as though people are like watching media that makes them feel like wrapped up and hugged like how Barney did. And then if anybody points out that that it's baby entertainment, then they like have to flip out because that made the warm hug go away. Um, it's just a good show. The one guarantee that there will be a toxic fan base is if the show is ultra positive. Right, like, the, but the more fucked up media is like something like Berserk. Everybody who likes Berserk is a sweetheart, but these Ted Lasso folks, they are vicious. Toxic Ted Lasso fans, toxic Ted Lasso fans out there. Yeah. So, and one thing I I did want to kind of get into when it comes to like the importance that we've placed on TV. And I don't know if Ted Lasso is an example, but there's other stuff like, you know, even in a show I like, like uh, Lovecraft Country or a show I disliked, like Watchmen or, you know, even Breaking Bad or The Wire. Jack, you may not remember this. I'm a little bit older than you. But when I was watching TV, every other PSA on TV was about how TV rots your brain and you shouldn't watch TV. So maybe did you catch any of the tail end of that? That was a big thing in the eighties. I could, do remember catching a little bit of the like, yeah, kids shouldn't be watching TV all the time thing. And it was a big thing about how TV was dumb. TV made you dumb watching it. Yes. And after after you know, we've given in. We've given in now. Now now thirty years later, it is now we're like sit your kid down and get him to watch Ted Lasso instead of YouTube. Well, even worse, not even your kid, adults like. It's strange to me, like the prestige TV era, you know, where we all convinced ourselves that somehow TV was no longer junk food. It was, in fact, uh-huh. vegetables. In, in fact, fact better than books in many ways, better and more thoughtful even than books. Yeah. You don't want to, you, you know, TV used to be crap. You're not supposed to watch it all. But now we're you're supposed to spend the entire weekend binging whatever they put on netflix and i don't know how the media companies were able to gaslight us and apparently like the fcc into like this but that's this is where we're at now where it's like you're supposed to watch tv to be a better person when it used to be that tv made you a worse uh less intelligent less informed person I like Ted Lasso because he's nice, and I like Barney because he's nice, and these are shows, and if you talk any shit about Barney, you know, why don't you go fuck yourself? Look at all these people who have made a load-bearing part of their personality not liking Barney, you know? Just let us enjoy Barney. Well, speaking of some uh, toxic fandoms, Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Get into a little bit of Star Wars now, folks. Uh All right, so... Uh, Marsha Lucas. Yes. And that may be the first time you've heard her name, but that's not the first time you've heard of her. Because yeah. if you have praised uh, the original trilogy of George Lucas, chances are someone has bars in to yell at you, well, actually, George Lucas is a hack. His wife is the one who saved the movie. Uh-huh. Now, And they always say his wife. They never say Marsha Lucas is a very, very talented editor. Is a She's talented, a talented al- editor. But if you actually asked her, she would say that's ridiculous. But that's be, been a meme for the past couple yeah. of years. They tried to do it with uh, Martin Scorsese's editor as well because they keep getting mad at Martin Scorsese for uh, dissing the Marvel movies. And yeah. so they just uh, pull up and they're like, you know, these Martin Scorsese movies, they're fucking awful until Thelma gets a hold of them. 
Like, like they try to be like, no, no, the real like movie heads like are act, aren't into directors. They're in the editors. They're in the editors. <laughs> That's what you get, gotta get into. Listen, editing. listen. An editor can make a movie much better, but what it is is like they, they see these are people that are collaborating together. It's weird to yes. even like set them apart yeah, exactly. from each other because they're both working together on the same movie. Especially you know people I mean? who were married at the time. Just bizarre. And basically, just bizarre. And basically, uh, Marsha basically only like like mostly just worked on with Dior. She didn't do a lot of editing like after didn't do a lot of editing after return of the jedi and so she came up and so she's kind of in the star wars fandom is this you know thing that a lot of people who are fans of the newer films use to say actually the originals weren't even that good right and so yes, when you can George play was never good and marcia who you know has her thoughts on the prequels and the films George, uh, George made without her? True, she did not like the episode. She did not like episode one either, and we should be upfront about we'll that. We'll be upfront we about be that. Upfront. But she has some things to say about the sequels, and they're pretty. They're pretty incisive, to be honest with you. Yeah. they're pretty incisive. Yeah, and they're from uh, Howard Kazanjian's uh, A Producer's Life, a book that's coming out. And Jack, if you want to read the quote, if sure, you pull it, and you can pull uh, it. Up I like it. Kathleen. I have always liked her. Says Marsha Lucas. She was full of beans. She was really smart and really bright. Really wonderful woman. And I liked her husband, Frank. I liked them a lot. Now that she's running Lucasfilm and making movies, it seems to me that Kathy Kennedy and J.J. Abrams don't have a clue about Star Wars. They don't get it. And J.J. Abrams is writing these stories. When I saw the movie where they kill Han Solo, I was furious. I was furious <laughs> when they killed Han Solo. Absolutely, positively, there was no rhyme or reason to it. I thought, you don't get the Jedi story. You don't get the magic of Star Wars. You're getting rid of Han Solo? <laughs> and then at the end of this last one, The Last Jedi, they have Luke disintegrate. They killed Han Solo. They killed Luke Skywalker. And they don't have Princess Leia anymore. And they're spinning out movies every year. And they think it's important to appeal to a woman's audience. So now they're Main character is this female who's supposed to have Jedi powers, but we don't know how she got Jedi powers or who she is. It sucks. The storylines are terrible, just terrible, awful. You can quote me. J.J. Abrams, <laughs> Kathy Kennedy, call me. <laughs> Rack her. Rack Holy her. shit. That's that's like out of straight out of the text message groups I have with my friends. Yeah. Straight <laughs> flame, straight fire. It is funny. It is just it is a good feeling to know that the person who like edited the original Star Wars and 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 Lucas can't come out and talk shit like this or, or George oh, Lucas he won't. can't. Well, and he won't. He's, he won't. He's above is, it. Not can't, but he won't. So he doesn't want to. Maybe these sequel fans it. should be a little bit nicer to George since he will not come out and publicly say this. One of the few yes. who won't. Yes, but it is nice to see Marsha, who did have a big impact on the original movies and especially the storytelling of them, just to feel vindicated in someone being like, these just suck. The <laughs> stories are bad. The stories just suck. <laughs> someone said, I think Harrison Ford said he wouldn't do the movie without him getting killed. The thing is, then you just can't fucking do it. You just like you actually shouldn't give in to Harrison Ford's demand that he gets killed in the movie or just don't use him in the movie. And then he comes back as a ghost anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the fan um, reaction uh, to this uh, shockingly negative shot. You m oh, might wow. be surprised that Star Wars fans, especially the sequels uh, fans, the sequel defenders were yes, very to toxic about. Well, this. you know, it they turned they turned John Boyega into a racist. And now, of course, they're turning Marsha Lucas into a misogynist. Yes. Yeah, so they are saying 
that Marsha Lucas is a misogynist because she called Ray this female. No, no, well, because she called Ray this female, which is actually funny. Is that it's just funny? It's just funny that she said that. Just the disdain <laughs> for it. They- a lot of people learned, you know, thanks to the Disney marketing department, that the best way to express these kind of social justice values is through liking and consuming these particular Disney products. Yes. So if you're viewing the world through that lens and someone does come out and say something negative about Ray, it makes perfect sense, I think, that you would say, well, this person must be a misogynist, you know, as far as the book of Disney feminism that I've learned, uh, that, you know, that I've, uh, that I've formed my worldview through, um, says that any criticism of Ray is sexist. And it's so wild because like most of the people saying this are of course, like just typical, like what used to be the stereotype of star Wars nerds, bearded white men, they didn't go away. Do people think that like, they just all like disappeared. Like that yeah. the fandom of uh of Star Wars really changed its demographic makeup. Why do people think that? People just assume that when like I, I swear to God, Jack, like a bunch of like white guys got mad at me because I don't like The Last Jedi. And when I point out, like, hey, you all are all are a bunch of white guys who just look just like Ryan Johnson, people actually res- responded to me like, what are you talking about? Why are you saying, when did The Last Jedi become a white guy movie? Maybe when a white guy <laughs> made it, uh, like that guy that yeah. wrote it, directed it, and when white guys are online screaming at people. And then you also have it. like the black star of the movie, John Boyega, like being explicitly like, I don't like what they did with my character in that second movie. Like they didn't know what to do with me and they didn't use me. And so I'm like, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily think that we need to make liking or not liking these movies all about race and everything like that. But that was started by the Disney company. You know what I mean? Like that was started by the the PR department of the Disney company saying that, like, to say that a character sucks is racist. And, you know, they still use it to this day. Like it's a very weird and I think cynical uh, marketing technique that Disney and other companies use. But Disney is like a at least for a while, was was doing it, like, all the time with their movies. Knights of the Old Republic remake. That was announced. That was announced. Um, now, Leslie, I basically... My take on this is that we don't have enough to go on at this point. It's going to have to be a full rebuild. You know, like, modern gaming, especially AAA game audiences, are not going to want to play a game with, like, classic Bioware-style turn-based combat. You know what I mean? Um, so I just don't know. Like, Jack, I'm excited Jack, about it. I'm sorry, but you have to be wrong about that. Because for, you ha- you're definitely wrong about it. Because, first of all, the people who are remaking it, aren't like, they don't make games, as far as I know. They just do, like... They said it's a ground-up rebuild, though. They said it's a ground-up rebuild of KOTOR. The game is being built from the ground up for PS5. Getting a remake, it was being built from the ground up. Uh, uh, you know, they're utilizing the latest text. Who knows? I think it that's might be a lot. Exactly I the think, same gameplay. I think it's going to be the same gameplay. I don't think they're going to. I think think. I think it's going to be an FF Seven remake thing where they're just like it's the same story, but there's like action type, you know, fighting in it or something. I don't. I don't think that could happen because like. FF7 is like the most expensive game ever made. Like, <laughs> I don't think you could really like redo 
all of and I don't think that's what really what Asper does but I'm sure they're probably like redoing all the graphics from scratch but I think all because like they they're known for uh uh doing the re-releases of the other KOTOR games for like mobile devices that does give me hope honestly that they're the ones who did like the iPad version yeah, and I, shit like I that I hope they're just li- I think they're just lying I honestly just think they're lying I about wouldn't be that. surprised if the combat was redone because the combat in those games is a little like I would feel. I think it would be a little confusing for for like you know modern AAA gamers. I, I disagree. I, I think uh, first. I hope it's not a AAA game. I hope it is more like a, re- Just a redo, like a redo, like a like the Demon Souls um, remake. Yeah, yeah it's similar to that. I hope it's not like a big budget AAA game. Um, and I really hope they don't try to change the, the combat at all. I mean, fans get. I mean, because there are a lot of big RPGs coming out, something like Baldur's Gate three. You got Diablo two remake coming out. I think it is a time where people are getting more into like the PC style RPGs, even if they're on uh console. This, I mean, you, mm-hmm. I, the, I think Diablo two uh, comes out this weekend. People seem pretty, you know, stoked for it. So I think the age of where everything had to be kind of dumbed down. Maybe sure. going away. Hopefully, I don't. I don't think this company really has it in them to make like a. Yeah, five. maybe not. Maybe they're not a big enough company. Listen, I'm basing it all just on that. That's that little bit of uh, you know, just saying them saying that it was a ground up rebuild that that made me feel like, ooh, maybe I don't know what this is going to be like. Yeah, one thing that does give me concern though, a lot of concern actually, and it, the Chuds are mad at this too, and I don't and I don't want to be lumped in with. It's it's so Uh-oh. sad every time you you're, you're a Chud now. Now you support Trump if you agree with any anything about media. They apparent they announced that they are they uh, summon their writing staff for the remake, and my response was. What the fuck are you talking about? They wrote, already wrote the game. It's the game is already. already written. That's the part you don't need to change. Leave the <laughs> writing alone. Leave the dialogue See, alone. See, that makes me feel like Leave it's going to be a everything. bigger rebuild. If they're doing new writing on it. I don't know about that. I think it, it might just be trying to um, bring it more into line with Disney's. Uh, <laughs> more in line with the corporate you know, storytelling now because they have changed some of the things from KOTOR and KOTOR 2 certainly. Uh, I don't know. But I don't I don't trust the writing thing. I don't trust adding the writing. The Chuds are mad because the writer they think the writer is SJW. Whatever. Oh, I don't no. I don't really care. like Shit. I don't care about that. No, you just, just shouldn't have a writer on this goddamn thing. It's already written. It's already the game is already per, more or less perfect, I think. Just put it out. Just put it out. That's all you have to do is put it out. Because Pe- people weren't asking for a remake, they were asking for a sequel. And to be able to play uh, the old ones uh, a little bit easier, but I don't know. That's that's where where I'm at. I just ho- I hope they aren't changing anything really. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, I kind of worried that they would, but yeah, maybe it will just be a uh, a Demon Souls situation where the graphics are all updated, and yeah, this could be a, de- a dev house that does not have the capability to to do further than that. All right, so for our last segment, we gotta get a little bit dark. Uh, Gabby Petito. I don't know anything about this. What is this? Well, Jack, it's a wild story. Wild story. So, uh, Gab, uh, Gabby Petito uh, and her, I think they were uh, fiancé, Brian Laundrie, 22 and 23. They're doing a cross-country road trip, and they're like YouTubers. They're like okay. documenting. They were, they were documenting this trip. They were on this road trip. Oh, they're the van life people. Van okay, life. they're like van life people, yeah. One of them, yes, one of them. 
And so at a certain point, Brian came back home without Gabby. Uh-huh. Did not explain or after a trip they were supposed to be taking to the Grand Canyon, they were on the road trip. He came back, did not explain where she was, either to her family or the cops. And the cops' reaction initially was to say, Well, it's been less than twenty four hours, so it's not a missing person and there's no crime, and so we don't really have any think questions for him. They didn't observe him. And he took off uh, at some point before they eventually um, found her remains, uh, which was okay. which were discovered by other people who so were. So she used, just disappeared, by, and he took off in the van. Is the idea? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he, yeah, he came back. She disappeared. He doesn't say anything. Um, and we find out after the fact that on this road trip, there have been a couple of stops of them because there were some incidents of domestic violence of her towards uh, him. And the cops stopped them and then they released their cams. Now, the cops are changing their story now. They're saying, oh, we didn't think she was hitting him. They've actually said, like, gone back after the fact, even though the cam, the video footage clearly shows that like he had marks on him and he's talking about being hit and the cops are like, or do you want we y'all need to be separate? Y'all don't need to be together. You might be going to jail, et cetera, et cetera. And, but the cops like were involved in this situation at a certain point. And I'm not putting this on the cops, even, you know, fuck all the cops. So I'm not putting it on them, but they were involved. And now they're changing the story because it's super embarrassing that this ended up being like a murder case within 24 hours. And it was a murder case that they didn't do anything about. They just ba- like, and this was, and so this is a bunch of YouTubers like showed up to like go find like yes. someone's remains or something so like bef- that. So while the cops were doing nothing, all these TikTokers and stuff started covering this case. And like, what the fuck? This woman, because it just got reported on like way earlier than anything like this would be. Like you, we knew she was missing before the cops declared her missing. That's a very unusual thing to happen. So all this is happening in real time and semi-unprecedentedly. People are making these TikToks and, and a lot of them are really gross and exploitative, but what those TikTok and like the New York Times actually has an article about how the case of Gabrielle Petito galvanized the internet because people were, were trying to look for it. People were jumping on it. Everybody was jumping on board. But the thing I have to say is, is this, it's like all those people were doing is the exact same thing that newspapers and local news do. They just don't have, like, they just don't, they're just not, they just don't have a job or a byline. It's the exact same thing. There's no right. difference between, I'm sorry, a local news person outside of a crime scene, uh, which makes up the bulk of what our true crime documentaries are, which you can find on NBC, ABC, all their apps. That's not really that different than what these TikTokers are doing, is it, uh, ultimately speaking. Like, I, I, I don't really like the TikTokers. I don't think they add anything. But the, there has been this media push from the traditional media. Like, wow, to the, be, the TikTokers went out there and they messed everything up or something? Yeah, and, and like, certainly Reddit sleuths have fucked things up before, but... This, from what I can tell, is not one of those cases. This Listen, I just think in general, I think it's very strange how many like comedians and writers are have become like little amateur like sleuths. I've always thought even like 
Serial was weird. I've thought all of this shit is weird where like people just like find an unsolved crime and try to make it into content. I just think it's very strange. Well, I don't. It's not. It's Jack is actually the most normal thing in the world. These are this is the oldest news that there is. I guess you're right. It is just it is the same brand of just like, you know, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, it's, you know? it's the same thing. I I don't have a problem with a serial. Be, I, I really don't have a problem with serial, especially if it's getting someone out of jail who might be innocent. People are going to talk about these cases. True crime has always been the thing. I, 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 there's something weird to me about like a New Yorker descending into like a small town and being like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to get a murderer out. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, I, what, what are your qualifications to be sleuthing this crime or whatever? It's just such a weird subgenre. Like people like my qualification is I'm a podcaster and I'm going to get this thing solved. But the thing is, when you look at it, it's like that is as much qualification as any of the people who put those people yeah, in that's jail, right. at jail have. I guess I'm uh, well, that's true. And also as much as any sort of local news or anything yeah, like that or even like the cops like the cops don't have any more uh we maybe just don't see eye to eye on whether that guy um what's his name in serial oh i don't want to get into that because i have <laughs> i haven't kept up with it when i was i listened to i am not even get into it but there are certainly other cases where you can see like true where they where these sleuths did either solve a crime or help find, uh the uh what is it the east area uh rapist which um they were like it was independent sleuths just like reading reports and looking at stuff who put who were able to help uh find this guy and turns out he was a cop so like that so of course yeah so it's kind of one of those things where like if you well if do you just trust the cops to take care of this like you can't no no for real we live in a broken society it's just another it's just like i can't get past just the weirdness of like okay so you're like uh you're like a comedian who's just now looking through like police reports to create like a podcast or something anyway whatever it's a weird fucking world out there all right folks that's a good place as any to finish up aside from saying r.i.p to uh, aj johnson wonderful comedian you see him in friday hope you check out uh, I got the hookup, folks. I don't think any white person has seen ever seen I got the hookup. <laughs> I certainly haven't. It, but it is a, a Master P uh, <laughs> movie from No Limit. He made it. Wow. Hey, uh, AJ is very, very uh, funny. Uh, but you might, if you like Friday, you might want to check it out. Uh, thank you so much oh, for good. listening to Struggle Session. Have a good one. Peace. Bye. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.